Overall from the field, but he was also 50% from threes. He's 5 to 10. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want him to be ranked in number one to eight. Welcome in. Welcome in to another episode of Let's Rage Cooks presented by the Saxonian family. The Saxonian family is the primary sponsor of Let's Rage Cooks. We couldn't say, we can't say thank you enough to the Saxonian family, which after today, I guess in principle, they've agreed to be the, the primary sponsor for the remainder of the rest of the season through the NCAA tournament and through the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament as well, too. So exciting times as we are entering March, and it's almost March Madness time. Joining me, as always, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Dayon Dunlap, how are you two doing? Doing very well, man. I'm watching this awesome battle here on the court between managers and staff. I haven't seen anybody score a basket yet, but it's competitive. <laughs> no, it's a missed layup. Yeah. Should have gone with his left. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have some background noise. Dayon, how are you doing? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? I'm doing great. We're Dayon, doing uh, good. Andy said he got his hoodie today. His Let's Red Kooks Cook, hoodie. Yes, sir. We got that merch, and we'll be, I mean, we'll be showing it off. I'll be going up to North Carolina, and I'll certainly be wearing it on the airport. So on the way there, have to brand hashtag Let's Rage merch. And for those of you that I'd imagine that you guys are beginning to get your merch as well, if, first of all, thank you. If you have been one of the early people that ordered your, your, your Let's Rage merch, we're truly grateful and we want to see it. Be sure to tag us on social media. Uh, you can follow us like you see on the screen at Aon is underscore five at the HRR review or at Dayon Dunlap or, of course, just tag at Potsama Jam and use the hashtag Let's Rage merch. We love to see your Let's Rage swag. But, of course, we are all here because number one Houston, once again, number one, Chris, they it was part of the intro once again, the number one ranked team in the nation, the Houston Cougars men's basketball team. You know, what kind of synonym do you want to use? Dominated, clobbered, <laughs> completely controlled, dominated, demolished. Tr- it was trounce. a trounce, pounded. Insert whatever kind of synonym you want. It was a complete beatdown between the Houston Cougars and the Tulane Green Wave, which, you know, kind of from leading up to the game, Tulane was the second team in the American Athletic Conference. And, I mean, the Houston Cougars just were on another level tonight. Final score, Houston was victorious 89-59. to And it was a career – it was a lot of career highs throughout, not only for the players, but even – apparently in the Fertitta Center that set a new attendance record once again, beating the record that had just been set on Sunday against Memphis. I I believe it was 7,763. The new Fertitta Center attendance record that was announced for today's game between Houston and Tulane. And, I mean, the fans left home happy. And Jawan Roberts, we talked about it. He's had a new career high last game against Memphis. Will he beat it out? He had 26 points. He had seven rebounds, 26 points. Obviously, his new career high after he had hit 20 points on Sunday. Marcus Sasser had 22 points. Jervis Walker had a new career career high with 13 rebounds. And Chris, 
five of those 13 rebounds were offensive rebounds, which is amazing for a guy that's just on the perimeter all the time. And, of course, top to bottom, Jamal Shedd did a little bit of everything, too. He had 10 points. He had six assists. Jamal Mark had 13 points. He, Calvin Sampson, postgame highlighted how he had zero turnovers. Just overall, top to bottom, Houston just flexed his muscles. It had 18 offensive rebounds as a team, and they only missed 35 shots. So when you look at it from that standpoint, the Calvin Sampson has said in the past he wants them to at least get half of their misses when it comes to offensive boards where they – hit that check mark and just really a lot of good for the Houston Cougars in this game. And and I'll go ahead and take Mr. Smith's comment for us to discuss. Jarrett said some shots did not fall turnovers early. He was kind of rushing it, but he did not let the shots not falling hurt his game. He crashed the boards. He had a really good assist. He was playing passing lane, got some deflections, block shots. So, as Coach Sampson wants the players to do, he impacted winning in other ways. So, that was good to see. Hey, some of his shots early weren't close, but it did not stop him from doing other things to help the team win. So, that's what you want to see from your players. Yeah, I think Jarius um, had a good game. Um, Outside of the shooting aspect, he didn't shoot efficient, but he had a good game. He was active on the rebounds, active in the passing lanes, like Chris said. I think bench production was good as well. I mean, they didn't produce in far – in terms of scoring, but you see um, Emmanuel Sharpers everywhere around the floor, taking charges, getting offensive rebounds, getting tip passes. Um, Terrence, the same thing. And so, and, and then Reggie came in, he gave an offensive spark, got some steals, got out in transition. So I think the bench production was good. I think overall it was a masterclass game from Houston um, from the starters and the bench aspect, because they, you're not always going to score, but that doesn't mean you don't um, produce in the game, and they definitely produce in different areas outside of scoring. I mean, if we're going to quibble, the early turnovers for the team were uncougar-like, but they they fixed that the rest of the game. They, you know, finished with a minimal number of turnovers, and once they did that, Tulane played the zone a lot, and the Cougs took their time and picked it apart. <laughs> That's what you want to see. Second half, the Cougs had 13 assists on 16 buckets. I mean, that's almost perfect. <laughs> you know, 13 assists on 16 made field goals. That's sensational. Mm-hmm. They finished the game with 12 turnovers. First half, they had eight, only four in the second half. So, like Deion said, it was a master class, man. It was a methodical master class beatdown of the second best team in the conference. And it, it was done in so many different ways. I mean, during that stretch in the first half, Houston, it looked like they had a block party. They were, how many times did Jalen Cook got blocked on layups? Houston defensively overall, they played really, really well. Not only did they hold Tulane to 19 of 50 shooting, I had to look up at the, at the stat sheet, but they forced 18 turnovers as well for, for the game. And just overall, top to bottom, there was a – specific question where they they asked about or not question uh instance that kind of sticks to me and it was first of all marcus sasser had another starting line he didn't even lead the the cougars in scoring but he just seems so comfortable out there but on one instance i believe he had he had just hit a pull-up three-pointer and this was in the first half houston got a stop and they played complete great defense for 30 seconds they I believe it was Kevin Cross that that got the ball in the corner 
get, he came the monster trap. He had to pass it out to Cook. He missed the shot. Houston went down. They didn't score. Marcus has a shot at three. Not only was he the first one to meet Cook back, he completely stopped him and allowed Tremont Mark to catch up and, and get a block too. Just overall, a whole bunch of different aspects. Even free throw shooting was good for Houston. It wasn't as good as they did against Memphis, but 17 of 22, that's something that they'll take any day of the week. They had 16 steals tonight too, season high. Uh, they were everywhere. They were active in the passing lanes. They were active on double teams, traps. One, one thing that Coach Sampson commented on that he wanted us to see get better, the individual defense was very good up to Kelvin Sampson's standards. I got a comment on this, man. Okay, I'm sorry, fans. Day on. They, we, <laughs> we had a manager dive into the front row seats, and they just took down all the seats. In the front row of the Fertitta the mo- Center, the money seats clean it up. have been knocked down. Even the managers play Cougar defense and Cougar hustle. If the culture is everywhere, even in the managers, look at that. The fold of the chairs got knocked back. He was diving to save ball going out of bounds. Cute. It is just amazing. From the from the wow. head coach it's down infectious. to the managers, <laughs> it's amazing, man. It is infectious. Wow. Cougar basketball, it's amazing. Basketball, something else. And on the and on, on the on the other end, on the other end, you have JB or Francis just shooting around. Yep, taking shots, working on his game, going from uh, layups to the half circle, down a free throw line, working on his, his touch around the basket. These guys want to get better, and that's what you. And Dan, I'm not sure you had a chance to hear the post game, but Sasser and Jamal said both said when they were asked, you know, what could y'all do to get better they both said everything <laughs> everything so hey they still have room to get better and i think we agree on that february they're still have room for improvement getting to march to play the best basketball that's what you want yeah i think this is one of their better performances as a team i'm sure that they will agree just from the ball movement aspect their units and on defense and the way they they Got deflections, which led to steals, which led to more transition baskets, the way they rebounded, the way they shed the ball, really pretty much in every aspect. I think they, they played really well. I think J1 really set the tone early for the game. And I was just thinking watching the game how um, previous, what, four or five games before the last two, he was in tra- foul trouble and he couldn't really play um, heavy minutes. And we were talking about, like, if he, if he stayed out of foul trouble, he showed a glimpse of how dominant he could be because he impacted the game so much during those times he was in foul trouble. In these last two games, I mean, career performances, he stayed out of the foul trouble and he's dominated. He has really good hands and touch around the basket. And um, I think this team is growing and getting better and playing together, playing good together because like we mentioned in previous episodes where it may may have been one or two players who have good games. I think this was the first game that I've seen um, consecutively where everyone on the team has had a good game and it's been a dominant performance as a team. And they've clinched a share share of the AAC regular season championship with the Knights win and have a chance to wrap it up outright Saturday in East Carolina, I guess East Carolina in, in Greenville, which uh, two games ago, if they win Saturday, wrapping up the, the title, that's pretty impressive, man. Pretty impressive. Once again, as everyone who follows the Cougs knows, this team lost. Andy, how many starters from last year's team? Four. 
because Coach Sampson made sure to to point it out once again after today's post game or news conference. Four starters. They lost four starters off of last year's Elite Eight team, same as they did a season ago when they lost four starters from the Final Four team. And this year, the biggest difference is those four starters from last year have been replaced with freshmen, younger players. So it's taken them a while to adjust to the Cougars culture and learn the offense, learn the defense. So kudos to the staff. Starts with the head person in charge, Kelvin Sampson. Player development, Juwan Roberts, is he's like a poster person of the player development of this program. And he comes back next season, next year. Him and Javier Francis up front. He's going to be a monster. Wow. Jeez. And and to go back to Kelvin Sampson, he gave all the credit to his son, one of his assistants, Kellen Sampson, who, Chris, we know, we we watch, we've seen countless practices by now over the course of the season. But after each and every practice, Kellen Sampson works with Jawan Roberts and Jarvis Walker. After practice, they work on various different things. They all make sure they get their shots up, and that's just the stuff that we can see. Just imagine what they do on a daily basis when there's no one watching them. But on that note, we'll say we thank everybody that's joining us, watching live on the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel, or if you're checking us out audio only the next day or whenever you may be listening. We thank you for making sure that we are a part. We are a part of your day here for Let's Reach Cooks presented by the Saxonian family. And we thank every single one of you guys that it, it seems like we're starting to run into more people that watch the show. And I can't stress enough how awesome that is and truly how thankful we are whenever you come and, and just tell us that we're doing a good job and it just motivates us to keep going. So obviously we can never say thank you enough for all the support that you guys have shown us, but we like to remind everybody, Chris <laughs> already put it in there. So I'll be perfect. So we'd like to remind everybody that this is let's reach Cooks presented by the Saxonian family. And of course, we also like to say thank you to our other partners for today's episode of let's reach Cooks beginning with star pizza, star pizza, Net. Be sure to visit them online to check out Houston's best pizza since 1976 with multiple locations across the Houston area. Be sure to make Star Pizza a stop on the way home because, let's face it, you can't get enough pizza. There's no such thing as too much pizza. Of course, we also like to say thank you to Ryan Monzo and Goku.com with H-O-U-N-I-L. Here's the message from Javier Francis about H-O-U-N-I-L. Hi, my name is Javier Francis, and I'm partnering with HOU and I. Uh, we need the fans to go to HOUNIL.com to subscribe to our player credit content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps its players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's HOUNIL.com to subscribe. Thank you, and go Cougs. So once again, a thank you to HIUNIL.com and be sure to visit them. If you're interested in subscribing to player-created content, you're not going to find it anywhere else on except HIUNIL.com. And of course, Chris, like you posted on the comment section, be sure to check out the official merch view. I guess we could call it official merch shop. Like I said, we are slowly beginning to see our merch arrive in various locations uh, i got my hoodie yesterday chris you got your shirt was it two days ago 
when when did you get your shirt uh yesterday and my high school classmate got her hoodie in the state of washington yesterday as well so look Cougs at that national, all over the place Ridge Cougs is national of course we like to plug it as well because it does support us and it's an awesome way to to support us because you get to show off and have some let's rage kooks swagger whether you want to have the there will be rage line that's uh, two different logos that you could have when it comes to the shirt and obviously the back comes the same on on either lines let's rage kooks the unofficial houston post game show streaming on youtube and you check out that there will be rage merch line see the cougar right there that's the awesome cougar and it comes in three different colors and it's also available either in a t-shirt or hoodie i ordered the hoodie this is the this is the one i got the let's rage hoodie and i'm excited like i said i'm gonna be traveling up to north carolina for houston's next game against east carolina so i'm looking forward to stay warm with official let's rage Cougs merch which is just awesome because it's a sign of where we are continuing to to grow and Luis Rivas puts, good to meet you today. It was awesome that I met him on the concourse. I believe those during halftime. And again, you just shout it out and, and continue to give us motivation to continue to keep going. It's just awesome to hear from you guys. Whenever you guys are at the arena, it really makes our day. I can't stress it enough. But enough of talking about us. Let's segue because this is Let's Rage Cougs and we are focusing on the Houston Cougars, who once again are coming off another victory. Number one, Houston. They look like the number one team tonight. Defeated Tulane 89-59. to Now, we have a clip from head coach Calvin Sampson and Marcus Sasser, and I'm going to go ahead and play it, and we're going to segue on the other side of it. Calvin Sampson had really high praise for Marcus Sasser. We're going to kind of dive into him in this segment. He called him. He's his player of the year for the American Athletic Conference. That's what Calvin Sampson had to say after Houston's victory over two. I would ask two, two questions. Like At this point in the season, what are you most pleased about and what are the things that concern you as you hit the fun stuff now? Um, you know, just our efforts getting better. You know, a lot of people are playing a lot harder for a longer amount of time. So um, that's just one thing that's been that we've been harping on. You know, just playing harder and playing a full forty minutes. So I think that's just one thing we've been pleased with. Uh, yeah, like he said, just coming together. You know, as a team. And, you know, I still feel like we haven't reached our ceiling. So. That's always, you know, a positive end into March. Um, we're going to be playing our best basketball in March. So, you know, I feel like that's the most exciting thing, you know, as um, the season continues. Really. And what, what are the things you still need to work on? Everything. Really, everything. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt. We're going to end it here in the desk in the back. Go ahead, Andy. For, for, both, for both Marcus and, and Jamal, just and going back to the offensive rebounding, but really today it's kind of done by committee. Uh, with multiple different players, what what was kind of the key for for this game and being able to to have that success on the offensive glass? Um, just you know, like he said, when we first got into the basketball, you know, it's what we've been doing for a while before we got here. You know, it's been ingrained in this program, so just you know, following what we we're used to doing, getting back to what we need to do. You know, I just say uh, ball movement, uh, body movement, and then you know, just all five guys on the floor, just. Unselfish, you know. Um, it's real fun to play with a team, and you know nobody cares, you know, who scores the ball, and um, that's one of, you know, I feel like that's kind of all five guys, you know, 
best strength kind of um, passing the ball. So that's I feel like that's how we got a lot of open shots and that led the offensive rebound. Jawan's really, really uh, improved. He really has. Uh, um, he, he could probably be all three of these guys. Uh, Marcus, you know, you guys see him after they get here. We actually recruit him. I mean, we don't run to the mall, down to the mall, start handing out scholarships. Um, I remember Marcus when he was uh, the summer between his junior and senior year. I remember uh, uh, Jamal. I wanted to make Jamal start running sprints as I was recruiting him. Um, I said, I better sign him first. Um, but Jaquan is a um, byproduct of our player development system. Uh, Kellen deserves a lot of credit uh, for that position. And all my coaches, we sit down and we meet and we're constantly <coughs> looking at what other people are doing, especially NBA guys, in terms of uh, player development and what's uh, the cutting edge. You know, who's trying to get better? You know, uh, how, how do you get better at something? You know, that's why, that's why uh, I, I surround myself with people that want to get better. You know, if you're not in this circle, uh, you know, if you're, if you're trying to help us get better, we'll let you in the circle. But if you're not, we don't have any time for that. Um, but I, w I will say this. Um, um, to me, the player of the year in this league has been Marcus Sasser. He's the best player in this league. Um, don't base it on stats. Um, you know, Mar Marcus's stats could be a lot better if he, if he took a lot more shots. But uh, he impacts winning in so many ways. And that's why I think the player of the year should be the best two-way player. Um, <coughs> is Marcus the best offensive guard? Maybe not. I, I don't know. There's some really good offensive guards those league, talented kids. But I don't think there's a better two-way player in this conference than uh, Marcus Sasser. And that's why when you start thinking about uh, um, who's the best player in the league, uh, look at both ends. And that's why I think Marcus has uh, is the uh, best player. So once again, that was Houston Cougars head coach Kelvin Sampson, as well as Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd, who you heard on the clip. So, uh, of course, like I said, segueing before we, we played that clip, we want to talk specifically about Marcus Sasser and the high praise that Sampson gave him. And, and the argument that he gave him, which is valid, he thinks that Sasser should be the player of the year in the American Athletic Conference this season because he's the best two-way player in the conference. Uh, I'm... Hmm. I already had a friend of mine. He, he heard the post game, those comments. He disagreed. He didn't tell me who he thinks the best player is in the conference. But the two-way part of it is important because defense is important as well. But, you know, obviously, Marcus could score more if it were needed here on the team, but it's not. So that could be a factor in some voters' eyes who give out the award. But I have a hard time thinking of somebody who's a better two-way player, honestly, as a guard, you know, Kendrick Davis has never really been known for defense. Um, Jalen Cook, offense. David DeJesus, you know, Julius, not really, you know, great on both ends. So who could, who do you think is better than, you know, Marcus as a two-way player, as a guard? Give me some names and, you know, Carlos Battle maybe. That's close. But, I mean, it's not a, not a long list. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Coach Sampson. I think Marcus is the player of the year and the best two-way guard in the conference, I think. And he's referencing Kendrick Davis because Kendrick's averaging 21 points a game. So in the in the days of analytics, people looking at stats and automatically going off of that, I think he's just speaking to Marcus is important. And when I was watching that game, I was literally thinking Marcus is the best point guard in the country. I know he plays – the off-guard spot at times a lot for Houston because Jamal is the primary point guard. But in essence, Marcus is a point guard. He's going to be projected as a point guard. And his development and making plays is taking this game to the next level this season, in my opinion. And that's where he's taking the next step. He could score more if he took more shots and play. I don't want to say selfishly, but just focused on taking more shots. I think he could average more points. But He's more efficient. He guards the opponent's best player like he was guarding Jalen Cook. That doesn't go unnoticed. That's something that most guards can't do, and he actually made it tough for him because Jalen Cook is really a talented offensive player and got it going in the second half. And so, I mean, on a night-to-night basis, not just tonight, all year round, he guards the opponent's best player, and he, and he slows them down to his credit most of that. And so I think he had a, a tremendous game. He, he makes um, big moment shots whether it's momentum shots that really get Houston going and kind of ignites their defense, I think. And so, man, Marcus is um, definitely, in my opinion, should be the player of the year in the conference. I'm kind of curious how the – who is the coaches vote for? Because we don't vote. Media does not get a vote for for the conference award. So I wonder some people will vote for DeAndre Williams, you know, in the front court. <clears throat> I'll say this for sure. The first team all conference is going to be something because they're probably going to be some some players on second team. We're like, well, I should have been first team. So, so I'm kind of curious as how that's going to work. There are a lot of players, a lot of talented players in the conference. Some have bigger roles for their teams and other players. Like Marcus Sasser might be the only conference player, all conference player for the Cougs. But Juwan Roberts, <laughs> you know, is a hell of a put up a hell of a year. And he should be all conference second team, third team something. So I'm kind of curious how the vote is going to be for first, second, and third team. Sticking on Marcus Sasser real quickly, kind of focusing in on him, Chris, day on something that, that I noticed in this game, and it's not even in particular this game, but something that's really starting to become a trend with him. But whenever he's out in transition, he, he is – he. His speed is underrated when it comes to being able to push the pace and being able to create shots for others in transition. And whenever he's crossing over and getting into the lane, at times it looks like he's skating, and then he's kind of gotten much more comfortable might not be the right word, but he's gotten really good at pulling that Euro step, which either creates an open layup for himself or like today, he he did a good job of being able to kick out and collapsing all the defense and being able to find teammates around the perimeter. And I think that's an underrated aspect of his game that really, it's clearly been a strength this season that it's been an area that he's improved in. Yeah, that Euro step, I mean, it's it's a go-to move for him in transition. You know, mm-hmm. either to seek out the contact, to avoid it. That's something he's added to his bag uh, during the offseason, and he brings it out. His overall game, five boards, five assists tonight, 20-plus points. Six assists, too. He's, he's doing, you know, things that are necessary to win. <laughs> you know, times it makes to drive and attack the basket, he can do that. Hit a clutch three, he can do that. Toss it to Jaywan, he can do that. Lock down defense, he can do that. <laughs> so he's doing – Everything necessary to help his team win. 
Now, whether that results in conference player of the year, we shall see. I mean, it's not that big a deal to him because he's, he, he has more team goals to accomplish than just that. But we'll see how it all plays out. And the vote come out, I think, uh, the first day of the conference tournament, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't mean he gets to vote for the postseason conference tournament. All team. So, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, because I'm kind of curious. Like I said, Marcus Sasser, he's playing so much better. Dwan Roberts is playing so much better once he avoids those fouls. He is a, a his defense on the perimeter is, is very good. Ricky Cheney's defense on the perimeter is very good. So, I mean, <laughs> this team is winning in different ways as good teams do. Yeah, um, Andy, exactly your point to Marcus and his ability to control the pace and transition. Definitely, that's one of the things that I was um, when I was thinking he was the best point guard in the country. It was during that one of those moments where, in the past, I would have say he would have took it out and looked to pull up for a three. And it's oftentimes in this game where he penetrated and got inside and finished or created. And, and it was really just sticking sticking out to me. His the way he's seeing the game, his backs about IQ and kind of reading plays and reading in transition and making the great room the right decision. And so, yeah, I think that was a, a great analysis that that you um, said and stood out because he's definitely is playing better in transition, getting into the basket and finishing with either hand. And that Euro step, I know he went viral a couple of weeks ago, so I, I know <laughs> the opponents are aware of that. I know one of them, um, Forbes or Cross, one of them played it well, one of those moves well tonight. And so, but man, Marcus, he's on a a tear. And and the way he's developing and playing right now and letting the game come to him, I think it's a scary sight for uh, Houston opponents. Absolutely. And when when you look at it, and Dan, something that that you mentioned earlier in the show, which I completely agree, this is – not even probably. I would say this is the most complete game for the Houston Cougars overall this season. Not only that that, that they hit their shots, they assisted, like you said, at one point how, how really solid they were from an assist standpoint in the second half. And then how strong they were defensively now. It, not necessarily on the same talk topic, but I think something that can you can kind of fit in. Uh, James Mueller, the friend of the show, the Jalen Cougar, asked Coach Sampson about Emmanuel Sharp and his offensive rebound and and how he had kind of excelled in, in this game. And Coach's response was, well, let's see if he can do it again in the next game against East Carolina. That's kind of the mentality this team. You saw in that clip when they asked Marcus and Jamal Shedd what they can improve in as we have Joseph Darcher of the Houston Chronicle. Hey, Joseph, you got any words? Let's rage. There we go. He got it. Let's rage. <laughs> we got him to say it. But um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, when it comes to being able to, to connect the dots, when Jamal Shred and Marcus Sasser said, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that we have to improve on. That's just the mentality of the team. It's like there's never they're never satisfied. And something that I can't remember if it was Shed or Sasser who said it, but they were they still feel like they haven't played up to their ceiling. They still feel there's a lot of room to improve. And if you ask them for the rest of the season, however many games they have left, I believe that they're going to continue to to keep saying that they have room to grow until, I mean, they ran out of games or they run out of games. You know, and they untouched on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Emmanuel Sharp. These guys, man was everywhere tonight. He had, he had three O boards, 
Let's see if he has Rio boards on Saturday. That's what Coach Sampson was harping on. McMahon did it once. Can he do it twice? And then three times in a row if he does that. So it's it's good to see this team still has room to get better. And we touched on it in one of the early, early shows of this season. This is a special team. This could be a special season. So the conference tournament is almost here. And the NCAA tournament is around the corner after that. So this team has a chance. And that's really all you can ask for every season is that the team, for as a fan, your team has a chance to compete for a national championship. And this team does. And they look like, to me, they, they came out with a sense of urgency to prove that they're the number one team tonight. I think of recent weeks, number one team has been losing. And I, I, I would guess that coaching staff were like, let's go out and prove tonight why we're the number one team. And they came out, made the first punch, second half made the first punch, and pretty much, like we said, dominated this game tonight. And I want to touch on this if I can scroll through the earlier comments because this right here, seeing FC packed to the brim and setting a new attendance record on a Wednesday night. That is, that's <laughs> true. I mean, that is really true. Shocked. No, Wednesday I agree. Wednesday night. Sold can we, uh, crowd, record crowd on a Wednesday night for Houston Cougar fans. Who would have thunk that five years ago? Nobody. <laughs> and it was, this was an 8 p.m. tip-off too. That's much right. Later, yeah, tip. Late, later tip, yep. And I remember whenever they, they did the national anthem, and I was just looking at the crowd, and there people. There's still ten plus minutes left until tip off, and it was there were people in their seats. They were they were all ready. They were all standing up for for the the um, I'm blanking for for <laughs> for the national anthem. And I took a picture of it. And I said, you know, this is they're all in their seats. They're all really supporting this program, which just goes to show how much, like you said, Chris, where the program has come. From just five years ago, ago, and and coming off the heels of what, you know, undoubtedly was Kelvin Sampson, his best availability for the entire season, where he touched on a little bit about it, where, and and Marcus has we have one more clip from Marcus has already spoke additionally, after the the official news conference, but he kind of mentioned it where, it kind of starts with with Coach Sampson with. And from from that availability, how his brain is just wired differently from a competitiveness standpoint. When he told that story about he figured out it, his car could go 425 miles um, before it needed to refuel for gas. And he figured out that it was like a thousand or so miles to get from Houston to North Carolina. Like what, 1050, so he, something he, like that? Yeah. Uh-huh. So he made it a competition against himself that he only wanted to make two stops and he wanted to get to North Carolina without making any additional stops. And he, he wouldn't stop for gas whenever the check engine light was going. It was 423 miles of gas he had used up. He was going to make it in two and only two stops. He didn't even drink any water or anything because he didn't want to have to stop to use the restroom or anything. But I think that just showed a peek in the window of how different he's wired. And really top to bottom, you know, Coach Sampson said it multiple times throughout the season. The standard or for a program starts with the head coach and everyone else follows. And when you hear that story and you hear a lot of the players talk about competitiveness and really that's how they get better in practice, it kind of makes a lot of sense of where it comes from and, and really the mentality of that 
program. But uh, put a quick segue. I'd like to remind everybody that is watching live on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel that they are listening to Let's Rage Coops presented by the Saxonian family. Of course, thank you to everyone that may be listening to our audio-only platform so as well, wherever you get Podslam and Jam on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And, of course, we also like to say thank you to our other partners for today's episode of Let's Rage Coops presented by the Saxonian family, beginning with Star Pizza. With multiple locations across the Houston area, Star Pizza is Houston's best pizza since 1976. Be sure to check them out online at starpizza.net, where not only you can check out their menu, but you can even order. So you can just stop by and pick up and head home. And of course, also a big thanks to HRUNIL. We'll send it over to Javier Francis once again for a message on HRUNIL. Hi, my name is Javier Francis, and I'm partnering with HRUNIL. We need the fans to go to HOUNAL.com to subscribe to our player credit content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps its players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's HOUNAL.com to subscribe. Thank you, and go Cougs. So as we kind of wind things down here on Let's Rage Coops, we talked about Marcus, we talked about Jarris, we talked about Jawan Roberts. Now, a uh, comment that uh, Jaja mentioned in 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 the comments about Emmanuel Sharp and something that was kind of touched under in the news conference availability. King Jaja said Sharp Sharp shot didn't fall, but he did a lot of the little things in today's victory over Tulane, which. Again, going back to kind of the the theme of the news conference today, it's just when it comes to, again, like you mentioned, Chris, earlier in the show, they lost four starters from last year's Elite Eight team. They replaced them with a lot of young players, in particular when it comes to the freshmen. But Emmanuel Sharp, it seems like one of the players going back to development where he's just getting more comfortable, more comfortable. And now he's beginning to be able to impact games in more ways than just being a hot three-point shooter. Right. And right now he's in a shooting slump. Last three games, his shot hasn't fallen, but he still impacted, uh, helped the team win in other ways. And that's that's what you want. Almost every player, I mean, Marcus Sasser had a shooting slump this season. If you play basketball, you're going to have a slump at some point. But you still, it's, it's still, it's on you to help your team win in other ways. Rebound, defense, steals, cut, move, all those other things. And these guys do that. So it's it's great to see. And it's a young team. A lot of freshmen. At, at one point, we saw Emmanuel on the floor with Emmanuel. Who was Emmanuel? Javier. It was Emmanuel, Terrence, Terrence. Javier, Francis, Jarris, and Jamal. Jamal. Jamal was the lone bear. <laughs> you know, so, so just think about that. So I want to touch on, if I can, Mr. Smith's comment right Whoa. here. At last one, JG. That... <laughs> JG that, that's we'll, the... we'll talk about that one next. Yeah, we'll we'll talk that about second. that one next. Um, if, they, if they went out... Is there any way they can be jumped by Kansas or Purdue, the second number one seed? Yes. yes. I, I, I'm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Especially Kansas, when you think of Kansas and the Big, the Big 12. 12. Yes. If they win out, if they – absolutely. And it's kind of interesting. That's a conversation that we had uh, before this game about how first and second round mat- – uh, not right. matchups, locations <laughs> – work out and then even Purdue as well being in the Big Ten and and playing uh, their their other teams in that conference if they can win the Big Ten tournament. I absolutely can see Houston being jumped. Even Alabama who is in uh, a really tough outing against South Carolina tonight. They came away with a victory and I mean a lot of 
different things are going on with the Alabama program, but it's kind of it's an interesting point from Houston because they even if they were to win out and do everything they're supposed to, we still see them sliding out. I could see them sliding out from I, I, that I national perspective because they're not in a power conference and, and a the loss, broad one opportunities like Virginia had today on the road at Boston College hurts the Cougs, you know, because it was a bad loss for Virginia. Other teams, like if St. Mary stumbles, that looks bad for the Cougs. You know, little things like that because the Cougs are not in a, a power conference. That's just part of the issue they have for a few more weeks. It won't be an issue in the Big 12, you know, come July 1st and then season in the fall. But they can still be number one seed. They could still be one of the best teams come tournament time. And there's not too many teams that want to play Houston. And there's not too many teams that can beat Houston in the tournament. Yeah, I don't think that those teams can jump Houston if Houston take care of business. I think Houston's resume is going to be what it is. It's going to be good enough. And I think the eye test it will be taken in consideration how Houston has looked and how dominant and consistent they've been throughout the season. I, I think their respect from Houston program overall will um, hold them in that spot if they take care of business and don't lose. I think <clears throat> Kansas may have a slight opportunity, but they won't go undefeated for the rest of the season. They may win the Big 12. Yeah. And they'll get respect for winning the Big 12, but it's not going to be in a, at this point in dominant fashion to where, in my opinion, they'll jump Houston. And so I think Houston, if they just take care of their business, they'd be, they can only go up, in my opinion. I hope you're right, but but you're you're in the minority of national opinion, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> because they, I, I, excuse me, real quick, Andy. During the broadcast of the game on Monday, Kansas and who was it? Baylor, mm-hmm. and they were it, TCU, they brought it up there. TCU. TCU, yeah, TCU. I'm sorry, TCU. They, yeah, Baylor was on Saturday. They brought it up during the broadcast, and I hadn't even thought about it. But they, someone brought it up by if Kansas wins up the remaining games in the Big Twelve and then wins the Big Twelve Conference Championship, they should be the number one overall seed, not just bump Houston, but the number one overall seed. And I was like, really, during this broadcast? So the discussion. People are thinking about it, and it's just one of those things that the Cougs, because they're not in a power conference, have to deal with. And it's not right, fair, whatever, but, Dan, I, th- I agree with you. I just don't believe a- a- enough other people agree with us. Yeah, even with the Purdue. Right. Right now, those people are just talking just like we talking. <laughs> yeah. And so when true. I think when it comes yeah. down to those people in the rooms making no decisions – Reality will sit in, I think. We'll see, though. I will say, it, it seems like the Boilermakers are kind of trending in, in the direction you don't want to be trending in heading into March now. Obviously, there's still two weeks where they can turn it around. I think Kansas is much more – they have a one. much more yeah. argument. Yeah. Right, correct, correct, because of how tough the Big 12 is, the opportunity that they have to be able to go out and win the Big 12. I could I'd certainly see the Jayhawks being able to make the argument. Purdue, not so much with kind of the, the stumbles that they've had in the last few days and really the past last past few weeks. But it's an interesting conversation. Now, Chris, what I wanted to toss it to you when we were kind of touching on before the game, even if, say, Kansas were to drop, say, just to make it for simplicity's sake, Alabama and Kansas got ahead or they finished, so come Selection Sunday, they're the higher seeds than Houston. 
And even if Alabama were to stay in the South region, Kansas got to the Midwest region and whichever, if Houston were part of the East or West region, they would still have their first or second round games in the locations closest to them, correct? Correct. I'm 99% sure of this. I'm going to confirm it in the morning with the NCAA office. But even if Kansas, Kansas will go, any of the four seeds, it will go to the regional, well, first round site closest to them. So for Kansas, that's Des Moines. Okay, so that's where they'll be first. And then Houston and Alabama would be in Alabama, in Birmingham, in the first two rounds. Uh, they can still be sent to different regions, like we've seen in bracketology, Cousin, Alabama for the first two rounds, but they are in the Kansas City region because right now they are the second overall number one seed. Another, like Bama would be in the Louisville region, for example. Kansas would still be in Des Moines for the first two rounds, but then they would be sent to Las Vegas regional. So the first two rounds, city-wise, the team will go to the city closest to them. The committee goes by within driving distance. Officially, within like four hours, four to six hours, if it's a drive. <laughs> so the closest city for the Cougs is Birmingham. The closest for Kansas is Des Moines. So that's where they will be regardless of regional site. But mm-hmm. the first two rounds, Des Moines for Kansas, Birmingham for Houston. I want to bring up King Jaja's comment. Worst case scenario for Houston is in the West region. I would disagree with that. I would say the worst case scenario is if they somehow ended up in the Midwest region with Kansas. I think that would be the worst case scenario for Houston for the reason that you stated where that regional would be in Kansas City, Missouri. The way Kansas is playing lately, it'd be it'd be more of a battle. Uh, but but I, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I mean, Tennessee lost. Tennessee's going going in the wrong direction like Purdue's going in the wrong direction. Just from the reveal on Saturday, teams have lost. You know, so as long as the Cougs do their part, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Like and and you said it, Kansas is I think the only team that could jump Houston in seeding. Not nobody else. As long as the Cougs win, of course. Agreed. And again, with kind of limited opportunities left for Q ones, at Memphis will be a quad one opportunity. Neutral site, depending on where Memphis is, if they were to meet Memphis in the American Athletic Conference Tournament, that could potentially be another neutral site game. But I'm not sure where Tulane is in the net rankings. But outside of Memphis, I think that's really the only chance that Houston has at quad one wins, correct? Two more opportunities. UCF, I guess, since they are in the top six. But even in a neutral site, it wouldn't be enough, correct? Because neutral site games are one through 45, I want to say. Uh, we could look it up, but the Cougs would probably have to lose twice, and I'm not sure a loss in the conference tournament would hurt them, unless in the first round. You know, beyond that, because they're pretty much locked into their position as long as they don't lose like Saturday to East Carolina. You know, mm-hmm. have another bad loss, they should be fine. So. They'll do their part. They'll be okay. And clearly, if they win at Memphis on March 5th in a game that means a lot for Memphis and beyond the Cougs, you know, wanted to fine-tune and and then beat a rival, that game means nothing because the Cougs should have wrapped up the regular season title by then. (laughs) So, you know. They could do it as soon as Saturday. Yeah. 
But Memphis wants to win that game because it's Houston and, and Memphis, you know, all those other things. But in the grand scheme of things, if the Cougs win at Memphis, it could help them, but it won't hurt them if they lose. Absolutely. And Big Jack 512 makes a great point. Alabama still has to play a red hot at Texas A&M team right now at the moment. Mr. Smith but put it right there. Quad one for neutral is one through 50, according to Mr. Smith, which would put UCF, which is the third team when it comes to the net rankings in the American, just outside of that. So really, it's just Houston and Memphis from from that standpoint. But as we start to wrap things up, kind of reeling it back into Houston and Tulane, were you guys as surprised with the way this game went out? I think, obviously, when they played in New Orleans a month ago in January, late January, mid-January, they it was much more – it was kind of like a game of runs. It, it's kind of similar. Houston kind of it's imposed its will. The Green Wave made a, a bit of a run to cut it. I can't remember. They got it within single, within single digits at that point, and then Houston closed it out with another run towards the end. But this game was just complete – domination from a Houston standpoint. It was, it was surprising. I expected more from Tulane, honestly. But uh, damn, I made a great point. The Coos came out one to prove that they are the number one team in the country. I mean, took care of business. <laughs> and they did that. So, hey, it's very, there's, not, there's only a handful of teams that can compete and beat the Cougs when the Cougs are playing well, playing their A game. And clearly, Tulane is not one of those teams. <laughs> Agree. Yeah, Tulane, their uh, second and third best player didn't have it going tonight. We're, we're crossing Forbes. Um, Cook had it going. He started cooking in the second half. And, I mean, but it still wasn't enough as a team-wise. And so, I mean, like Chris just said, when Houston is playing – at a level that they're playing at, and you don't even play a C game to Tulane, then you, you're going to get blew out the water like they did tonight. But for Houston, I mean, I think all, all things are pointing in the right direction. They're, they're sharing the ball. They're unselfish. They're making shots. They're making free throws. Their defense is still the staple of the team. And so, I mean, they're just really, really looking like a world old machine. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for what's to come here in the future. And yeah, can JG, I say real know. quick, <clears throat> I want to salute our fans. You know, it's after midnight. <laughs> you know, we have a, a, a large number of folks tuning in to the show on the Houston Round Bar View YouTube and making comments. Thank you. Thank you very much for LRC After Dark. So we appreciate your support. More popular. We might Thank have to you start very doing much. LRC After Dark more often. You know, <laughs> staying up with us to discuss a 30-point butt-whooping. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Like I said, we can never say thank you enough for, for the support that you guys have shown us. Now, as we wrap things up, kind of looking ahead, there's only three games left in the regular season. It's East Carolina at East Carolina on Saturday. Chris, I absolutely agree with what you said earlier in regards to that Cougars can't afford to lose that game from, from a standpoint of potential seeding. I don't expect them to lose it. But, you know, you never know if games aren't played on paper. And then they wrap things up next Thursday, the final home game of the season against Wichita State, which would be senior night as well for the Cougars. They're going to honor three seniors and Reggie Chaney, Darius Bowser, and, of course, Marcus Sasser. So that's going to be uh, an emotional night too. And then they wrap it up at Memphis a week from Sunday at the FedEx Forum before they head into the conference tournament. 
we heard Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser's answer when it comes to what we're kind of they're looking for for this final stretch. Everything they want to improve in anything. If there's one area that you guys would pick. What would be one thing that you're kind of looking for in these final three games as Houston heads heads into the conference tournament? This, uh, con- continue consistency. Well, I guess being more consistent on the offensive boards and making free throws. You know those two things. The defense is solid. It was better tonight in, in some areas. Coach Sampson said that as well. The rotations were tighter. They got more steals. And as Dan has, has wanted to see for much of this season, they converted those steals and pushed the pace, scoring mm-hmm. quicker. So if they do those things, they'll be fine. Yep, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Just continue to create off-script points, whether it's in transition or turning steals into transition points. I think if they can do that and do that at a high clip, they're going to be even more dangerous because in a half court, if they execute and make shots like they can, then they get those easy points on top of that. Um, I think it only makes the team only better. Uh, as we see a flurry of people go behind Chris and starting to show that they're starting to to uh, close things down here inside of the Fertitta Center, and we're going to wrap it up as well here on the Rage Coops presented by the Saxonian family. Of course, we'd like to say thank you to our other partners, beginning with HOU and IO and Star Pizza. Of course, like I mentioned, big thanks to the Saxonian family for being the primary sponsor of not only this episode of Let's Rage Coops, but for the entire, you could officially say now for the entire basketball season started way back when in November against Northern Colorado, the Saxony family has been the primary sponsor of Let's Reach Coops throughout the entire season. Dan, I'll go to you first. Where can people find you in any final takeaways from Houston's victory over Tulane? Biggest takeaway is Houston is peaking. Like there's one of the comments. Um, Houston is definitely peaking right now at the right time. I think everyone is settled in their roles and they're beginning to thrive in their roles and knowing what they need to do for this team to be great on a game-to-game basis. You can find me on all social media platforms at Day on Dunlap. We appreciate all you guys' continual support. Keep going. Keep staying with us, man. We appreciate it. And I just want – I'm kind of curious, what is the capacity of – Tillman's building because we had a record attendance for the second straight game of, I think tonight was 77 63. So I wonder what is the record capacity with everybody on the concourse? Maybe we'll see that next week for senior night. But the Cougs, 30 point win tonight. They were methodical in their execution 89 59 over Tulane. I think they continue to get better. They're striving and working to get better. And Andy's going to be in, what is it, Greenville, North Carolina. So we'll have another post-game show on location this Saturday. So looking forward to that. So thank you, everybody, for watching this edition and participating in this edition of Less Rage Cougs. And we will see you Saturday. It'll be a long day on Saturday trying to get into Greenville. That's a great question, Chris. I think that that question is going to be put to the test next year you have all the big 12 matchups i'm curious to see how many people can pack into vertitas and really i'm i'd imagine that a lot of those new people that they're bringing in are just standing room only seats Mm -hmm. which i'm looking around it's been it's been brought up 
as a cause for concern and, and forums and just on social media in general, if, if they could potentially expand this arena to, to hold more capacity. But I think next year you're really going to get put that to the test, what we're seeing right now. Like you said, Chris, 7,763 people fit into the Fertitta Center tonight. It might be more a week from officially now since it's Thursday morning here. Uh, when Houston hosts Wichita State for their senior night. Marcus Sass is a senior night for Reggie Taney as well and Darius Bowser. So it'll be interesting to see. And, it, you know, it's just a sign of where the program is with the level of success that they have sustained. People can follow me on Twitter at Ayanis underscore five. Official capacity, 7,035. That means a lot of standing room only. And they somehow managed to fit 700 more people than that. So, um, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting question, and uh, I mean, it's good to see that they're they're stretching that to the limit. But once again, my the final score here from inside the Fertitta Center, Houston comes out victorious, eighty nine to fifty nine over the Tulane Green Wave, and they are officially now twenty six and two overall when it comes to their record. They are fourteen and one in the American Athletic Conference. They have clinched. At least a share of the conference regular season championship. They'll go for the lone crown on Saturday when they take on East Carolina. Next victory for Houston will clinch them sole possession of the American Athletic Conference regular season championship for 22-23. For Dan, Chris, for HAUNIL, for Star Pizza, and for the Sexinian family, let's say thank every single one of you guys for being able to tune in. And like I said, making this Ridge Cougs a part of your day or your middle of the night. Hopefully you guys can get some rest. And thank you as always. We can never say thank you enough. Agreed. Dan, you got it, man. Close it out. Go Cougs. <laughs>